All right. Welcome to Stam. Winnie the Pooh and the Hundred Acre Wood by Franz Kafka. <laughs> All right, we're starting. Roughly 24 to 92 hours ago, Stab's team of comedy scientists commissioned four specific humorists to give various potentially comedic takes on several <laughs> random topics, which they'll now perform for the first and likely last time in front of a live studio audience Question in mark? a show called... <laughs> Welcome to Stab! Holy hip hip hop hip stab. Whoa! I came from far away with many friends. Welcome to stab. Uh, we're keeping it real tight in here. Um, uh, welcome to stab. My name is John Morris Ralph the Fourth. I'm your host. Uh, are you guys ready to meet your contestants stab. to stab? All right. Well, welcome to stage first. He's sitting in the crowd right there. Uh, Nick Bruner. Nick Bruner. Middle, sorry. Wait, yeah. yeah right. Let me look at the order real quick. And then sitting uh, next to him in the worst Stash. chair in the building, uh, Ben Feldman. Ben Feldman. And then uh, crawling over the, the massive bodies that are piled in front, uh, Jesse Jones. Jesse Jones. Hi guys. Oh, man. <laughs> so intimate. I'm, did you like that transition? <laughs> I can't believe Redditat hasn't given you a takedown notice yet. <laughs> I mean, Pastor. what? Uh, oh, okay. No, <laughs> what did I just say? You said Shh. no. We're we just we go until we're told not to go anymore. Yeah. That's. Sounded really <laughs> aggressively uh, wrong. Well, it's also how the show's going to work at, at Luna's here. We're just going to go until we're told until not to go anymore. Right? By art. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, hey, Ben Feldman. Hey, John. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having. We, we uh, I wouldn't put that there. It makes the help angry. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm the help. How do you feel about prostitution? The Constitution? Yes. <laughs> I think it should be illegal. <laughs> oh, right. prostitution. Um, I think it should be legal. <laughs> Is that so, what you mean? Yes. What, I think, what do I think? Yeah. What do you think about? Or did you want me to give it like a five-star rating? <laughs> I gave it a five. How would you give prostitute? What sort of rating would you give prostitution as a whole? W H O L E. You know what I mean? Like you know, all of it. <laughs> the genre. What rating would I give it? Yeah, Just that's a thing. I already get hey, five stars, man. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. <laughs> all right, I'm sorry, Ben. <laughs> Nick Bruner. Hi, John. How are you? Oh, you know me, man. I'm upsetting the apple cart. <laughs> upsetting the apple cart. Yeah, that's right. Where does what? Where does that phrase come from? I don't know. Isn't it like? It's, I'm, I'm. I don't know. I just... <laughs> Sounds somewhere. I hate apples. <laughs> I like the doctor near me at all times. That's. I, I see that. 
I'm not going to comment on your wine. What are you talking about? <laughs> Nick, Nick, Nick's, Nick's uh, been busy all day begging for money for our local affiliates yeah. of public hey, radio. Who are fans of public radio out in the audience? Ooh. The one lady that works there. All right. Who's fantastic. gotten their advocates? Ah, <laughs> someone has listened and not given his $26 a month. That's, so right. that's okay. $26 that's okay. No, that's a month good. is hefty. That's it, a lot, it's of, a lot of dough. It's, it's, I, it's, I give, it's $300 a year. That's, that's lots of too much. I give public radio four stars. <laughs> we can turn that, the magic of public radio, into currency. That's how we pay for all things considered is the star-based currency system. <laughs> That's right. No, please keep eating while this is going on. It's because it's all things considered, even stars. <laughs> Sorry. That's yep. currency. All things considered. Mm. Jesse. It's still worth more than Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse. Yeah. Well, so that seems really loud. Mine and Jesse's uh, relationship has changed since last show. It's true. Oh. We are co workers. We are. Yeah, we work in the same building. Yeah. He, he gets to watch me be lazy while I, <laughs> while I get to watch him figure out how to be lazier. <laughs> <laughs> I have to work very hard initially so that I don't have to work hard later. Right. Like prostitution. Like prostitution. (laughs) All right. Let's play staff. Five stars. All right, everyone, I want everyone to get up and dance. (laughs) (laughs) We're not dancing. (laughs) (laughs) Missing these cues. Layered. I like that. Has like that changed that? recently? No. I haven't listened to the show ever. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. There goes your $5. I know. NPR. All right, um, <laughs> we're going to start the show now um, with a segment called Reorganization. Uh, please take this acronym, reimagine it. What does it now stand for? Who or what does it now represent? Uh, in recognition of the CDC's latest research that Americans binged uh, 17 billion drinks last year, today's acronym is BARF. B-A-R-F. B-A-R-F. What does barf mean to you, Ben Feldman? Oh, man, John. If only this acronym had been B-A-R-T. BART. That's an acronym we definitely could have used back in high school. It would have saved so much time when referring to all the guys who had unintentionally gotten themselves a big-ass rental tuxedo for prom. (laughs) At least eight out of every 16 guys in my class got ridiculously huge tuxedos for prom. Or seven out of 14, something crazy like that. It was an epidemic. We were saying stuff left and right like, hey, look at Eddie in his big-ass rental tuxedo. What a clown. And get a load of Reg. And his big-ass rental tuxedo would have been a lot easier to abbreviate that shit, believe you me. Because we were saying it so much. Holy Christ, did you see Tommy J in that Bart? Hey, did you happen to catch Jimmy's grand entrance in that Bart of his? Even I had a Bart. Oh, well, had to come up with something for a B-A-R-F instead, which, frankly, I might have found useful once or twice in my life for sure, but not as much as Bart. That- <laughs> That one year in high school. Any Hooters. B-A-R-F, or BARF for short, stands for Big Ass Rental Fern. (laughs) You know, a ridiculously huge rental fern plant, like one that's way bigger than you really need, as in, holy crap, did you see that big ass rental fern they got for prom? (laughs) 
I mean, that thing's a barf. <laughs> Very good, Ben. Thank you for going the extra mile. Yeah. Nick mm. Bruner. Mm. 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 Yeah. What does uh, barf mean to you? Well, speaking as somebody who has done this show drunk a few times, John, billion? I are really? Because <laughs> I don't know what you guys have done with that. But the CDC stands CDC gonna say, but. Aren't real friends, you guys? Cause, come on, I don't know. You did. I said. You said. But, baby, baby. Anytime. Radical fucking. Ah. Barf. Very good. Very good. Mm, I was in the middle of a nacho swallow. Very good. Very good. <laughs> nacho swallow. Nacho swallow. It's my swallow. Okay. It's nacho swallow. <laughs> Jesse Barf. <laughs> Do it. You got used some arboreal, burrowing, or semi-aquatic rat problem what needs fuck up in? <laughs> well, chief. Your wettest rat dreams is about to be made to come true when you give a call to the professionals at Barf. Big Al's rodent fuck uppers. <laughs> I don't love nothing more than fucking up all kinds of rat type rodentry. My kids, who knows if they's mine? My wife, my who? <laughs> eh, this guy knows what I'm talking about. No, I only, the only love I get in my life is the fuck up and in of those furry, unwanted fucks. And no, I'm not talking about my wife again. <laughs> what kind of rodentry fucking rats problems you got? Regular ass type rats? Mini rat type mice rats? Them squirrely tree rat assholes? How about them spiky back spike rats? Them them porky spines, some bitches. <laughs> Maybe you're the mayor or something. You know, some fucking charge of a city or a state. Govern what's it say? Hey, good for you. Maybe you got a lake or some such body of water in your place where you're a big shot. <laughs> got a problem with them fat tail water rats? <laughs> them fucks what block up the water with wood trees? <laughs> Beaver rats? We do them fucks too. And hey, maybe kid brought home one of them cute type rats. A gerbil. <laughs> one of them hammy pigs. <laughs> Guinea wop. Whatever kind of freeloading, whiskery fuck you don't do nothing but shit in a cage. One of them type cunts. One it should look like an accident, what done them? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how to do your job. But if you want me to come over and do my job on whatever fucking rat business you got, then just give Big Al's rodent fuck uppers a call. <laughs> then get the fuck out of the way and let me do what I do best. Fuck the shit up of some fucking rat fucks. <laughs> Look for a coupon in the fucking penny saver. <laughs> Very good. That was reorganization. 
Which brings us to our next segment that I uh, like to call a Topical Haiku Challenge. Are you guys ready? Okay, guys. All right, please, compo- please have composed three haiku in regard to the following topic. We'll do one at a time. Uh, reports say that last Saturday afternoon, a nine-year-old Mississippi boy shot his 13-year-old sister in the head uh, when she wouldn't give him the controller to the video games. Uh, haiku go. <laughs> you might want to mention she died. She died. <laughs> she did die from gunshot to the head. I... <laughs> Acute gunshot to the head. <laughs> Tough girl. Right. Uh, in his defense, she didn't have to be such a selfish fucking bitch. That's <laughs> true. Right? Right? <laughs> As your senator, officially I can say dumb shit about this. <laughs> My first is titled Ready Player Two. (laughs) Look out, Player One. Here comes a new challenger. And they have a gun. Very good. Hey, you guys, good first pass on that one. Let's take a second pass. Go ahead, Ben. Once gave my sister a titty twister for hogging the Atari. For starters, I feel, video games caused this, K, though I was just briefed. (laughs) Get what we're doing here. Jesse. Second is titled Silver Bullet Lining. Kids shooting kids. Sad. Sure. But look on the bright side. Wasn't out of school. And the third of three. Kid is gonna get grounded no guns for a month. Five more syllables. (laughs) (laughs) So let's take action. A big show for the cameras. Just don't mention guns. (laughs) Very good. Fully themed and everything. It was art. (laughs) Third is uh, titled Headshot Bonus. (laughs) Wow. Great job! New high score! Now, write your initials in your dead sister's blood. (laughs) (laughs) Topical Haiku Challenge, that's what that was right there. Um, Good job, guys. I wrote a bonus one. Can I? Did you wrote it? Wait, wait, wait. Let's hear the bonus uh, one. Wait, let me turn it down. There you go. What a shitty year for the kids' parents. Oh well, there's always next year. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> bonus haiku. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that segment walked our only one of the two people that paid to get in. 
All right, this next segment, uh, it's called This Was Today Once. Ben Feldman, on this date, 1952, Alan Freed presents the Moondog Coronation Ball, the first rock and roll concert in Cleveland, Ohio. Also on this date, 1963, Alcatraz Federal Penitentiary in California closes. How did you celebrate the aforementioned events in tandem? So, 1952, first rock and roll concert ever in Cleveland. Right. And then also, the same day, 1963, Alcatraz closes its doors. All right, how did I celebrate? Let's face it, John. Without rock and roll, there'd be no Alcatraz. In fact, did you know that by the time Alcatraz closed its doors in 1963, many of the remaining inmates had heard of rock and roll before? (laughs) That's quite a statistic. (laughs) It is a little suspect. They have the world's first rock and roll concert in the same town that hosts the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Some thinks it stinks of union involvement. (laughs) Some say it's a coincidence. Me? I know it's the union involvement thing. (laughs) Any Hooters. What better way to commemorate two of history's most tragic events (laughs) than by locking yourself in the closet at work that you decorated to look like a prison cell a month in advance, pretend you're getting transferred to another prison tomorrow because the one you're in's closing, and listen to some really early, really shitty rock and roll music. (laughs) It's got a backbeat. You can't lose it, John. (laughs) Very good. Ben Feldman, were you done? Yep. Okay. Very good, Ben Feldman. I mean, uh, step on your your panties. Okay. Um, Nick Bruner. (laughs) On this date, 2017, Chuck Barris... American game show host and producer uh, went dead. Um, mm-hmm. Also on this date, 2006, the social media site Twitter is founded. Mm-hmm. How'd you celebrate these two events? Why, with my now <laughs> annual tradition, John. See, what I do is I takes to Twitter the once dignified werewolf of social media platforms, which has long become more beast than man. And uh, this marks the second year where I solemnly honor the hosts of The Gong Show, The Newlywed Game, and Was I Really a Spy for the CIA? By tweeting the hashtag, Barris Lives. And then the following 213 tweets are the individual lyrics to Palisades Park, the saccharine 1962 pop song that Barris famously penned for Freddie Cannon. This year's avalanche of replies included such chestnuts as, Shut up! And WTF is Chuck Barris. And more like Dong Show. (laughs) I'm pretty sure this is going to be trending in the Philippines before the night is over. (laughs) Very good, Nick Brenner. Yeah. All you people in the back, clap for Nick Brenner. Everyone. Couldn't hear it. I don't think they're laughing like five people each. (laughs) Like we we instructed them to. Jesse Jones, yeah. on this date, 1904, Forrest Mars Sr., American candy maker, created M&M's in the Mars bar. He was born. Um, also on this date, 1983, the first cases of the 1983 West Bank, Bank fainting, fainting epidemic begin. You can do it, John. I can do it. This is, there's still like two lines. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> Israelis and Palestinians accuse each other of poison gas. Huh. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the causes. <laughs> but the causes later determined mostly to be a psych- psychosomatic. Psychosomatic. <laughs> All right. Almost so there. the guy, the guy, uh-huh. that, the candy bar guy, yep. born. Yep. And then, uh, you know, <clears throat> Israelis, fainting Palestinians, they yeah. yeah, big fainting thing, blaming sure. each other for stuff still. I'll sort of cover okay. some of it when we get to okay. it. Okay. How did you, <laughs> how do you read? How do you do that? <laughs> candy, John. <laughs> candy is hell. 1983, West Bank. This was no simple poison gas attack, but instead the first large-scale test of the new Mike and Ike line of fainty fruit flavors. <laughs> Sleepy strawberry. Pass out pineapple. Night-night <laughs> nectarine. <laughs> and this was far from the first time weapons-grade candies have been deployed in the theater of war. But not all attack candy has been so non-lethal. In fact, for years now, the governments of the world have been working side by side with leading global candy makers to develop new deadly sweets ordinance. York arsenic patties. (laughs) Hershey's kisses of death. (laughs) Reese's pieces of cyanide. (laughs) Sleep with the Swedish fishes. Bad and plenty. (laughs) (laughs) And a slightly less poisonous zag nut. (laughs) The list goes on and on, but I've already said too much. I've put you and all of your listeners in danger. (laughs) By pulling back the sticky chocolate coating of deception, uncovering the sticky nougat center of lies that continue to rot the teeth of freedom from the inside out. I know the price I'll pay for speaking out here today. I know that right now there's an abruptly ending gobstopper with my name on it. (laughs) But I pulled the lid off the candy dish of evil and it's up to all of you to now bite the cinnamon discs of truth. The root beer barrels of liberty. And those weird jelly filled hard candies of, let's say, knowledge. Very good. That was this was today once. Yeah. Which brings us to our fourth or fifth uh, segment of this first show uh, called Location, Location, Location. Congrats, gentlemen. Uh, you all own the following businesses in the following locations. Make us want to go there. Uh, ben Feldman, you sell disappearing ink pens in a town entirely populated by people with no sense of humor. <laughs> I sell disappearing ink pens yep. to a town filled with people with no sense of humor. Correct. All right. <laughs> hey, town. <laughs> I know you don't think it's very funny, you know, when someone pulls a disappearing ink pen gag on you. Just when you thought you had your whole shopping list worked out. Bam! It's gone. What the? It disappeared. How is that funny? How is making it harder for me to go food shopping humorous in any way? But trust me, it is. It's objectively funny, and that's been proven. The sudden realization that someone got the best of you with no real harm done should be tickling the hell out of you. But if it doesn't, and you're adamant about it, no worries. We have tons of other hilarious gags you might be convinced are funny someday. 
if you ever get out of this despondently laughless town. Gosh, everyone here is so serious all the time. I wish I hadn't signed a 19-year lease for the store. <laughs> but anyway, some humor shops sell fake doggy poop. Can you say Spencer Gifts? Cough, cough. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it's plastic. Yeah, your victim can tell it's fake the instant they bite into it. All right. We think real dog shit is funnier, and we sell it by volume. <laughs> Chinese finger cuffs? Boring. We sell actual Chinese foodstuffs. They're hilarious. <laughs> Try freeing your fingers from the iron grip of a tightly rolled mushu pork pancake. Not so easy. Spy gadgets? Not yet, but we're planning a merchandising trip soon to learn that space a bit better before placing any big orders. <laughs> a towel with a bikini, bo bikini body on it so that it makes you look like you have a great bikini body? Fuck that. We sell genuine gym memberships. You'll giggle your way into shape and wipe off that sweat with a plain white towel. You name it, we might not have it, but we name it, we got it. All of our products are handmade, so they're not quite as good, unfortunately. Some of our best sellers include hand buzzer variety pack, neckties filled with soup, fake toilet bowl cleanser. It won't clean the toilet no matter how hard they try, John. Life-sized used underwear. Velvet bag of random pills. Jizz whiz. That's real fake jizz in a can. Boss condoms. Give your boss a ream of monogrammed condoms. We'll even find out the middle initial for you. Listerine with floating mystery object. Non-toxic masculinity paste. Raging hard-on action figures. And calendars with two Novembers. It's worth the wait to see the look on their face, John. If you haven't laughed out loud by the time you leave our store, you probably live around here. Very good, Ben Feldman. Very good. Hey, I don't have a store name, by the way. That's all right. That's all right. Nick Bruner. Mm. You run a Soul Train-themed dance class at Fox News headquarters. Yes, I do, John. You're welcome. You're welcome for that one. You're welcome. I know what you're looking for. The sex appeal of Brit Hume. You want to learn to cut loose like Fox and Friends host Steve the Deuce Deucey. Or maybe you want to gain the intractably rigid persona of Laura Ingram. We'll learn to dance like these soulless puppets and more with timeless moves like the teabag rag, overconfident shaky arms, dog whistling, and who can forget, just pick up your leg and slap your knee 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 and slap your knee. No, who needs quiet dignity when your broadcast integrity is already so out. 
every third Wednesday from 2.30 to 2.45 in the Fox News studio in downtown New York, New York City. It's the only dance class where actually having a soul is barrier to entry. <laughs> Very good, Nick Bruner. I'm yelling. <laughs> Sorry. You're pretty loud, John. Sorry. <laughs> Jesse Jones. Yep. You are an, an, you are mm-hmm. an evangelist for cannibalism uh, at a children's expo. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I don't know. That's all right. I'm sorry. I think I'm going to be apologizing at the end of this one, actually. So, get ready. You like corn dogs, right? Fish sticks? Chicken nuggets? Mm-mm-mm. Well, have you ever had people burgers? Meet cannibalism mascot Tasty Terry, the incredible edible person. <laughs> He'll be your guide through the wonderful booths and displays we've brought today to help introduce you to a whole new flavor sensation. Go ahead, tear off a piece of Terry and give it a lick. Don't worry, Terry doesn't mind. In fact, it's the only way he can achieve an erection anymore. (laughs) But, again, don't worry, that's not because of his cannibalistic diet. That's just Terry. Come decorate your own personal cannabibble at the Once Upon a Friend booth to make sure none of those yum, yum, yummy people juices running down your chin stain up your nice church clothes. Then it's off to Spice World, where our highly trained flavorologists will help you learn which spice best accentuates the natural flavors of which ethnicity. They'll tell you if that coriander would taste better sprinkled on your friend Jaime or Jamal. (laughs) From Caucasian to East Asian, they've got the tips on which end of the spice rack really kicks each race up a notch. (laughs) And before you go, be sure to roll around and bump your friends in the giant inflatable Zorb balls. What does that have to do with cannibalism? Nothing. It's just a fun time for the whole family. Cannibalism is just what I do. It's not who I am. (laughs) So come on. Give cannibalism a try. Remember how you used to think grapes were yucky and weird not too long ago, but now you can't get enough of them? Well, human flesh is just like that. Once you go cannibal, you'll finally understand the bull. (laughs) Very good. That was uh, a segment where we call uh, something. Okay. That brings us to our final segment of the first show. Huh? Huh? Okay. (laughs) This uh, last segment's called Movie Makeup. Please compose a synopsis for the following made-up movie titles. Uh, Feel free to include a cast if you want. (laughs) Right. Ben Feldman, the name of your movie is Womb Raider. Womb Raider. Womb Raider. Womb Womb Raider. Womb Raider. Womb Raider. Womb Raider. Well, John, this synopsis started out with a trip to IMDb, or the Internet Movie Database for long, to gather uh, reference material about Tomb Raider, which I assume that this pun is based on, the rhyme is based on. No idea what you're talking about. Because I never saw it, and I know nothing about it. Uh, Turns out it is a movie based on a video game that I know nothing about. (laughs) Uh, Then I looked up the word tomb, For inspiration, turns out a tomb is a repository for the remains of the dead. 
Well, shit, John, I ask you, how is that any different from a womb? <laughs> any Hooters. <laughs> the movie I'm pretending to want to make is called Womb Raider. Tagline, get a womb. <laughs> It's about two young sperms who are human in personality, except they look like sperms. And they make a lot of puns about being sperms. Their quest is, you guessed it, to raid a womb. They don't know why. They only know that's the only thing they've ever wanted. And they're willing to do and say things riddled with reproductive references throughout the film to get there. <laughs> They'll encounter other personified female and male party po body parts like testicles, and different bladders and such, <laughs> who will also have human personalities, but will have hard-coded personality traits that mimic the body part they represent. <laughs> it will be funny. <laughs> womb Raider, starring a person of color as the womb. <laughs> Another person of color as the sperms. Yes, he'll play both sperms, like Eddie Murphy does. <laughs> Directed by a person of color. <laughs> All right, very good. Womb Raider. Nick Bruner, mm. the name of your movie is Family Home Evening. Family Home Evening. <laughs> Family Home Evening. I'm really glad you gave me this one, John. <laughs> From the studio that brought you That Sort of Feeling and Who's Bacon comes Family Home Evening, the <clears throat> baffling spiritual successor to the A Prairie Home Companion film adaptation. <laughs> <laughs> Thrilled to the antics of Barrison Peeler, a wizened seven-foot melting baby man, as he subjects us to horrid poetry and off-key glottal singing. <laughs> and perpetuates the stereotype that people from middle America are doddering weirdos where nobody knows what an Instagram is. <laughs> it's the only film this summer where a live audience inexplicably laughs at stories about powdered milk. It's family home evening. I don't know, ask your parents. <laughs> Very good. Nick Bruder. Mm. It's really hard doing a Garrison Keillor impersonation. <laughs> Spot on, though. Yeah, it's, I feel like uh, all the mumbling and wheezing you've done is going to be our cold open for the show. Can <laughs> really we edit that? It hurt Just all my scream <laughs> muscles. Put it to a beat. Uh, Jesse Jones, yes. make it end. Sure. With uh, <laughs> this last uh, yeah. this last prompt uh, called uh, "Have you seen my pet?" Have you seen my pet? Have you seen my pet? <laughs> is the prequel origin story of the season. Yeah. Taking you back to the very beginnings of one of Stab's most divisive and controversial characters to date. <laughs> the office is quiet as a tomb. Rows of padded beige cubicles carve a boring, soul-trapping grid in the slate-gray, stain-resistant, nylon, commercial-grade carpeting of the damned. <laughs> The clack of keyboards, a quiet reminder of the souls pouring their precious few moments of existence 
into an unending mundanity of office drudgery. They come in, they exchange bland pleasantries, and they go home. This is how a quarter of their life will be expended. Have you seen my pet? <laughs> the question pierces the quiet. Seeming to come from everywhere at once. Looking up from the keyboard, which greedily inhales vitality, and back over a shoulder, there she stands. Have you seen my pet? She asks again. A cascade of wallet-sized photos pouring from her pocketbook, not awaiting a response. <laughs> They've all seen her pet. <laughs> a three-legged, one-eyed, schnound, a schnauzer dachshund mix. Born with its lungs on the outside of its body. <laughs> It's the rescue. Of course it is. <laughs> I named it Champion Angel. She only eats one spoonful of mac and cheese a day and only after I've chewed it up for her. She tells them all she has no kids of her own. But she plans to adopt as many children from at-risk urban risk environments as the county will allow her to. Have you seen my pet? A stab motion picture. Rated PG-13. Once you've witnessed the full horror of Have You Seen My Pet, you'll finally understand why they call her that bitch Nadine. <laughs> Very good. That is the end of the show. Stab is over. Um, hey, you know, if you want to hear more stabs, uh, fuck you. <laughs> I mean, you don't deserve it. Uh, as you come to a show live, uh, or you know, check us out on all the many outlets, uh, the primary of which means stab for gold, stab the number four gold dot com, and uh, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud. Um, goodbye. Um.